time, we'll go ahead and be dismissed to our classes. And this morning we are in the book of Romans, the fourth chapter, Romans chapter 4. We have covered a few things thus far in the fourth chapter. And yet this morning I want to give you more along the lines of a survey of this fourth chapter, and then we're going to go back and look at some specifics. We do find great similarity between the faith of Abraham and the faith that God has given to us, and yet there's a lot of differences as well. We understand here that Abraham is not believing in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as we are. As the Bible so states, verse 18 of chapter 4, who against hope believeth in hope. The Bible says in verse 19, and not being weak in faith and considered not his own body, now dead. The Bible says in verse 20, he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So as we kind of introduce the deepness of this chapter, we have to acknowledge first and foremost there's some similarities and yet there's great differences. What the Apostle Paul is doing is he is giving us this foundation for the dispensation of grace of how a person is saved and really how a person has always been saved and how a person will always be saved. As we have looked a few weeks or months ago, at the subject of faith being the the vehicle over a period of time. Uh, The transportation was the horse and buggy, but now we have the automobile. Still getting one from A to B, and that being the key thought of transportation, but the form of transportation has changed. And you have to look back in chapter 3 to really remind yourself of that thought Uh, Just a few words that I want to pull out in chapter 3 as we get into this introduction of chapter 4. But look with me in verse 19, verse 21, and then we'll look uh, also in verse 30. Verse 19, the Bible says, Now we know. Now we know things as we look at the Apostle Paul and other dispensations of time have been hid but the mystery revealed to the Apostle Paul of the grace of God, and he correlating this grace of God and the, the mystery program with the nation of Israel. Again, at large, he's, he's talking to Jews. He's addressing Jews. He's dealing with the Jewish nation. And as we're going into the dispensation of grace, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and verse 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. He is using uh, two key components and the first one is Abraham, and then the second one would be David. So he's going all the way back prior to the nation of Israel, the father of the nation of Israel, who would be their spokesman or who would be their uh, one that they would idolize in a sense. And he's using his faith, and we'll look at David as well. But the Bible says in verse 19, Now we know, now we know, that what things soever... uh, The law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Then he goes down and he says in verse 21, But now, 
But now we know, now we know, verse 19, but now, key words, as we look at time, past, time, present, and time, future, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, but not all specifically to us for this dispensation of grace. So the first book that the Apostle Paul writes in the dispensation of grace, or chronologically as we see it in the Bible, is Romans. And, and, and the, the treatise is about salvation. It's about faith. It's about uh, being justified. It's these, this treatise of great declaration of truth, these uh, uh, theological words that we um, look for. You know, if you think about the, uh, the Greek word reckon or count, it's mentioned... Um, I believe it's mentioned 11 times in chapter 4. Reckon, count, accounted to. Um, you can see it over and over and over again. Meaning that faith, through faith, by faith, justification has been given to the sinner. What is the underlining theme of the book of Romans? It is how a man can be in a right standing with God. And so this is what we're talking about. So, uh, verse 19, now we know Verse 21, but now, and then look in verse 30, a key verse to understand. Uh, the transportation always being faith, but again, the horse and buggy at one time was transportation. Now, not so much the case. Poor illustration, but something that you can kind of see. He says in verse 30, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision, the Jew, here's the key word, by faith, and the uncircumcision, which is the Gentile, through faith. So faith has always been the transportation. He kind of enters into that thought there. Uh, but by and then through. Now we're going to look at some uh, uniqueness here about Abraham's faith, uh, how it is not pertaining to his flesh. And we're going to... Paul is going to lay out chapter 4, just some very practical thoughts that as we talk about salvation uh, for the dispensation of grace that it is plus nothing minus nothing it's faith and it's grace it's faith and it's grace but the key word is through faith for by grace are you saved through faith not by faith we correlated Hebrews chapter 11 go over there to Hebrews chapter 11 and trying to give you some thoughts to think of concerning the Old Testament saint and their faith. It was by faith, by faith, by faith, uh, by faith. He says in verse 4, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was translated. Um, verse 7, by faith, Abraham, uh, Noah. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham. Verse 9, by faith, so forth and so on. The entire chapter, uh, he goes down in verse 20, by faith Isaac. Verse 21, by faith Jacob. Verse 22, by faith Joseph. Verse 23, by faith Moses. So we begin to understand the transportation has always been faith, but the way that faith is used is somewhat different, and yet there's still great similarities. Uh, so... Uh, we want to acknowledge that first and foremost. This morning, what I want to do is, again, I want to break down chapter 4 in a very simplistic approach. Uh, we're going to go also in the future, probably next Sunday. Well, no, next Sunday we have a missionary 
and the Sunday after that we have a missionary. So probably sometime after Thanksgiving we'll be back in Romans chapter 4. And we're going to look at the book of James. How in chapter 4 it says that Abraham was justified by faith. He believed God. It was accounted him for righteousness. Then we're going to go also to the book of James where it speaks about Abraham being uh, justified by works. Two different stories, two different situations, two different encounters or two different events going on in the same man's life. And yet, Romans, Paul is writing to a body. Paul is writing to the church. Paul is writing to the dispensation of grace. James, although the Word of God is practical and profitable, it is also prophetical. And James is a prophetical book that has to be put in a dispensation given to the tribulational saint. And so as we look at Romans, we understand it's for the dispensation of grace. And there's an example of Abraham that is used to give us an understanding of our faith. But then James, he gives us an understanding of faith for the tribulational saint. Still, uh, faith as that transportation but the way that faith is seen and worked out and followed through with is by withstanding from the mark of the beast, enduring to the end of the tribulation, and uh, by believing in the blood of Jesus Christ, their testimony. So we'll look at those things. Hopefully it'll help clear up some of that, and uh, it'll be good for you. But uh, we're talking this morning just very simply about justification, uh, the righteousness reckoned. The righteousness of God reckoned. Uh, the word reckoned meaning imputed, meaning given to someone's account. The righteousness of God now bestow, befalls upon us. Amen. And it's, it's through faith. And this is what we see. Verse 1, it says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? Let me remind you, circle the word flesh. Is there any good thing in your flesh? Absolutely not. The church of Corinth and got, gotten a lot of problems, did they not? Why? Because they allow their flesh to lead them, to control them. Let's just kind of look over there at 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 1. We'll go through a few passages here uh, to pull out some good thoughts to, to remind you uh, concerning just the simplicity of the flesh. He goes down in verse 3 of cha- excuse me, chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says in verse 5, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers by whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything. Amen. Why? Because the flesh no man can trust. The flesh is weak, but the spirit is, is what? Willing. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Who does the saving? It's God. Who does the wooing? It's the Holy Spirit. It's God. He says, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, but every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. So here we have again just this carnal thought. Look in verse 4. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Paulus, are ye not what? Carnal. Look in chapter 5. Just some really sad things here in this church. 
It is reported what? Chapter 5 and verse 1. It is reported what? Commonly. Can you imagine that? Commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. The Bible goes into great detail. Can you imagine the family? You know, uh, sometimes... Let me just give you a footnote, footnote here. I've, I've heard... Um, I've heard all kinds of different philosophies when it comes to church. And I think there's good and bad, and there's good approaches and bad approaches. I think there's some good thoughts on what I'm saying and some bad thoughts on what is being said here too. Uh, and that is, I've heard some... Like my pastor, he said one time, uh, the piano player was cheating on two different men in the church. Okay, and this all came out probably five or six years ago. And he said, I was cursed when I preached against it. And I was cursed if I didn't preach against it. Meaning that people got mad if he said something about it. And uh, if he didn't say something about it, other people got mad. You need to say something about that, right? Well, let me just remind you. The Bible says something about it. Verse 1. Uh, th this thing was going on. Verse 2. And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned. Um, Chapter 6, Dare any of you have a matter against another? Go to the law before the unjust and not before the saints. He says in verse 5, I speak your shame. It is so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren? Lawsuits in the local church. Um, we could talk about a number of things. He goes on and on and on and on. Um, chapter 8 he says, verse 1, Now is touching things offered unto idols. We know that, that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Uh, he goes on and on about problems. Um, I used to believe that I was going to have a church without problems. That was my thought before I became a pastor. I remember thinking to myself, um, a pastor friend of mine was going through some really difficult times in his church. And uh, one service, they wanted to kick him out, and he told me the whole story. And I, I drove away thinking, I'll never go through something like that. That'll never happen to me. You know? Well, was I wrong? You know. Look with me back in Romans. What shall we say then, to Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory but not before God. So the first thing that I want you to write down in your notes, we're going to outline this chapter in three points, three ways. And the first point that I want to bring to your attention is by faith, not by works of morality. Salvation is by faith, not by works of morality. And we see this in three simple areas. The first point is it is seen that faith is, is given, salvation is given by faith, that the possibility of boasting might be removed. Notice what he says. Verse 2, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to what? Glory. I did this. I made this possible. This was by my doing. So again, I've tried to say this throughout the consistency of my teaching. Faith 
in every dispensation is the key component for finding God's grace and God's mercy. And a great example is under the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, the readiness program, the thief on the cross did not have time to come down and get baptized, but God recognized his faith. So, these acts of obedience that we see under the law and after the law and in the tribulational setting, God acknowledges faith first and foremost. You know, you can get in some deep questions for the tribulational setting. You know, my Caleb is a deep thinker. Some things I don't know how to answer him. I'm like, okay, I don't know. Ask Mama, you know, ask Mama. And uh, one of them would be, what would happen if someone does take the mark of the beast? And they're saved, or they believe. Well, according to the Scriptures, if they take the mark of the beast, they're going to die and go to hell. I don't know how God's going to sort all of those things out, but I do believe the Bible, as the Bible promotes the Bible, So three things that I want you to look with me at concerning this thought of not by works of morality, and that is that it removes all possibility of boasting. The Bible says in verse 2, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scriptures? Abraham, circle the word, believed. I want to give you a definition of the word believe. It means to accept as true. Who did he believe? This is key. God. Did he have the 66 books that we have in the Bible? No, he didn't. But he had the Word of God. God came to him, delivered a message to him, the gospel of the circumcision. He promised him certain things that God would do in his life, that God would fulfill in his life, that he would bring in through Abraham's existence. And because of that message, he believed. Again, look in verse 18. He says in verse 17, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope, what? Believe. What was the against hope? He's an old man. You remember the story of laughing going on at the Word of God? He believed against hope, believed in hope, that He might become the Father of many nations. Again, is this the gospel that we have? That's not the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's differences in what we see here between Abraham's faith and our faith. But there's great similarities. And that's what Paul is doing. He's talking to the nation of Israel to introduce them into this economy of the grace of God. It's no longer under the works of the law. It's through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But even under the works of the law, there's similarities in that faith versus our faith. He says in verse 3, For what saith Abraham? For what saith the Scriptures? Abraham believed God and it was counted. Counted. 
or reckoned or imputed, put to His account. It was placed on His credit, accounted to Him for righteousness. Now to Him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Believed, it means to accept as true. It means to accept as genuine. It means to accept the words or the evidence as truth. So what we have, whether it be God speaking to Abraham, that being truth, or whether it be God speaking to Paul, that being the Word of God, and that being truth, the key component is believing. Believing. And believing by faith removes a few things. And the first one that it removes is the possibility of boasting. I've done this. I've made this possible. If Abraham was saved by works, he could glory, but he was not saved by works. He was saved by his believing. He believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness, as the Bible so profoundly states. The second thought here under faith, not by works, is seen down in verse 4 and verse 5. It says, Now to him that worketh is, re- is the reward not reckoned of, gr- uh, of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. What we have here is the se- is a second principle of believing that is just being established. That's what I want you to notice here. And it's verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. I can't save someone proxy through my faith. The key word here, two words, is his faith. His faith. His faith. Abraham's faith. It was the principle of believing that Paul is establishing here. That a man is saved through faith. He's saved through faith. And he uses Abraham. Um, And here's our third point. It's found in verse 5 through verse 8. And that is that the promises of blessings might be experienced, that you can be saved, that I can be saved. Verse 5 through 8, it says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. I didn't work to get saved. That's what he's saying. But to him that worketh not, I didn't do anything. Did I die on the cross? Absolutely not. Was I buried? No. Did I rose again? No. But, but I was saved through Christ. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth the righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are what? That should be a key verse in your Bible. Aren't you grateful this morning? I, I, I'll be honest with you. In my finite understanding, I don't understand all of salvation and how God, Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, but God committed His love towards us and can you, I don't understand the grace of God, how He could save Adolf Hitler, how He could save Jeffrey Dahmer, how He could save Nathan Greer. Why, we're all vile, wicked sinners. And yet God, in His mercy and His love, He does. And it brings joy to my heart knowing that I don't, I don't have to die hopeless and helpless. I don't have to go to hell. I was talking to a lady this week, and just a very nice lady. She's living in a lifestyle of sin. She's a lesbian. And I was extremely kind to her. And she was just a sweet person. And 
she's talking to me about her philosophy of life. And I told her, you need the Lord. You need Christ. You need Christ. And God can reach down and save her. He could save anyone because His grace is so powerful and so amazing. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. The greatest thing about being a Christian is that your sins have been what? Forgiven. To be forgiven. I've heard testimonies of the day I got saved, there was a, 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 a weight lifted. It was removed. Guilt gone. Forgiveness that had been given. Whose sins are covered. What is the covering for our sins? It is the blood of Jesus Christ. Meaning, as the devil goes to and fro, as the Bible says in the book of Job, and he talks to God the Father, our great high priest, which is our what? Go-between, our mediator, sits on our behalf and he acknowledges what? The sins have been covered. They've, they've been covered by the blood. There's the blood. Blesses a man... Verse, verse 8, blesses the man to whom the Lord will not, what? Impute sin. Have your sins been forgiven past, present, and future? Does the Lord see you holy, justly, godly? Does the Lord see you pure and clean? Absolutely. And it's through what Christ has done in us and for us. Here's our second thought. That faith is not by riots of religion. It's not through any element of religion. This is seen through verse 9 and verse 12. What has he been talking about? Look with me back in uh, chapter 3. Look in chapter 3. He says, verse 28, Therefore we conclude that all man is justified by faith without the deeds of what? The law. Is He the God of the Jews only? Is He not also of the Gentiles? Yea, of the Gentiles also, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. We're dealing with circumcision throughout the entirety of this book. And really, Paul brings it up over and over and over again. Look in chapter 2, down in verse 24, it says, For the name of God is blaspheming among the Gentiles through you, as it is written, For circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his circumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision doest transgress the law. Notice this. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is the, that circumcision, which is outwardly in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one where? Inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the Spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. You know, we're all Jews here this morning, if you know the, the Lord, if you're, if you're saved. Inwardly, in the heart. Are we um, 
a part of His family? Absolutely. And God at one time had directed His attention and His focus to the nation of Israel. And yet, because of their unbelief and their rejection to Him, postponed that. As the Bible says in John chapter 1, He came into His own and His own what? Received Him not. And ultimately, through the book of Acts, you see the fading away from God's attention to the nation of Israel. You see the ushering out of the law, the ushering in of the grace of God. You see no longer Him using apostles. We know that one born out of due time, the last apostle, if you will, as Paul pins. But then what does Paul bring to the attention of the church? He brings in teachers, preachers, pastors, evangelists. Now what is a modern day evangelist? Modern day evangelist is he goes from one church to the next and he preaches and he gets a love offering leave. That's really not what we find in the scriptures. What do you find in the scriptures of evangelism? To, he, Paul told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. What does it mean to evangelize? To win the lost, to tell people about Christ, to spread the gospel. And so there's these uh, offices that we find. Look over in first. Um, go to Ephesians. Go to the book of Ephesians, chapter chapter four. Look down in verse eight. He says in verse 4, there is one body and one spirit. He says in verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So we're talking about one program. Verse 11, and gave some apostles and some prophets. That's past tense. In this point, where they're reading this as Paul penned it, those offices still being in effect, you understand that, but then that time of ushering that out, he begins to introduce what's being ushered in and some evangelist. What's the evangelist there? Carrying out the greatest commission. You know there's three commissions in the Bible, the great, the greater, and the greatest. Our commission is not seen in Mark chapter 15. Our commission is seen in Paul's ministry where it's the ministry of reconciliation. And that's a whole different subject within itself. But the evangelism is to preach the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that he gave some evangelists and he gave some pastors and he gave some teachers. Now, all three of those ministries are connected to what body? The local church, exactly. One of the biggest errors that you find in our world today is these ministries that are not connected to any local church at all. I mean, and a lot of times what you'll find, you never find Paul's ministry being Paul the Apostle separated into the Gospel, pastor, head bishop of this church. But that's what you find now. Most ministries now, you don't even find the church even associated with that person. 
Joyce Meyer's ministry, Joel Osteen's ministry, this person's ministry, where it's almost like they're over here free loafing, not connected to any kind of um, New Testament organism. The work of an evangelist, the work of a teacher, and the work of a pastor is all to be centered around that local church, the church which is at Macedonia, the church which is at Achaia, the church which is at Ephesus, the church which is at Rome, the church. Even as Paul tells Titus, look over in Titus chapter 1. We're going on a rabbit trail here, but we'll get off of it here in one second. Look in Titus chapter 1. He says in verse 5, For this cause I left thee in Crete, a city, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are what? Wanting. There's a need in Crete, that thou should set in, the, in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in what? Every city as I had appointed thee. You know what we find in the New Testament? We don't find this ministry revolving around a man. We find the ministry revolving around the Word of God and the local church and God using a humble messenger either to be a teacher, a pastor, or an evangelist in that ministry. And it could be one man doing all three aspects of the work. As Timothy was a pastor in Ephesus, he was commanded to do the work of of an evangelist and also as a pastor supposed to teach, and yet still to preach. There is a difference in the two. So the ministry revolving around the local church. Go with me back to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. He says in verse 9, Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Again, Faith is the key. How was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Now in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised that he might be the father of all them that believe. There's a key word again. Prior to the nation of Israel, there was one man that God took out of the Gentile world and blessed him and gave him a message. Prior to Abraham being circumcised. You look at some of those stories uh, in the Old Testament revolving around circumcision. It wasn't this this just physical act of of some kind of... uh, medical procedure upon the body, it represented a separation, a coming out from the world and being different, a visual sign of distinction. You look at David as his father-in-law requested of him to go circumcise X amount of Philistines, and he did. It was a, it was a spirit of conversion. It was a spirit of of of. Uh, delivering those people. It wasn't some act of just medical procedure. He says in verse 11, And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, 
though they be not circumcised, the righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith. Notice that key word, that. That faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. What's the key word? Believed. 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 What did Abraham believe? Again, as the Bible says in verse 17, as is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed. Verse 18, who against hope believed in hope. Verse 19, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. Verse 18, the very last part, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, he staggered not at the promises of God through what? Unbelief, but was strong in the faith. Now again, there's some key similarities in Abraham's faith and our faith. And Paul is addressing that. But you have to acknowledge distinct differences. There's no element of us staggering at faith. Why? Because our faith is not by our faith. It's through faith. As we looked in chapter 3, again, you have to look at the transportation. It's always been faith. Look in verse 30. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith. That's the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Abraham is not staggering by his faith. He believed God. And the uncircumcision through faith. So just a key thought to bring to your attention. And we'll look at some similarities. We're going to look at the differences as well uh, as we get into verse 13 through verse 25. And I think that has to be acknowledged. It definitely needs to be acknowledged. Uh, because he's not believing in the death, burial, and the resurrection. He's believing in um, the promise that God's going to give him a child, that God's going to bless him, that God's going to bring in the King of Kings. And yet, as Paul says, and we'll look even more in depth, Ephesians chapter 3 and other parts of the Scripture where that mystery was hid and then revealed to the Apostle Paul. So he understood, Abraham understood some things of faith about the future, but not in totality like we have today. Uh, Great similarities, great differences. Father, we love You this morning. Thank You for Your Word. We pray that You'd help us as we continue to teach, to teach with um, um, integrity and clarity. God, to be articulate. I pray that You'd help us to have a Bible mind. And as we go to the Word, to uh, accept the Word. We love You. We praise You. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.